Hey guys, and welcome back to the Kobe Simmons audio experience. We have another episode of CEO versus intern. We got Ashley in the studio this morning uh, talking questions about career. Ashley is at again the sunrise of her career, which is really exciting. Uh, she's here doing an internship with us here at Best Practice. Hopefully, we're teaching her lots of great stuff getting experience into what we're doing and she's got some questions for me so hopefully we can create some great content for you guys as we uh, have been doing on instagram facebook linkedin youtube lots of great platforms welcome ashley great thank you very exciting awesome um so i'm studying marketing and pr at the moment Mm -hmm. and i'm very interested in marketing pr and social media but i'm not very sure what I'm passionate about in Mm -hmm. this given moment. So I'm just wondering, um, were you passionate about business or did you become passionate about what you were doing? Um, I guess like a lot of people, I'm really passionate about doing nothing. Um, I see myself as being quite a lazy person. Um, So a lot of people look at me and go, oh, he's got a huge amount of energy, he gets heaps done. It's because I like to think about trying to work smart, if that makes sense. So I to, to talk about how I became passionate about business, I would, you know, I, I remember a time working in a restaurant and I, I was working behind the bar in a restaurant and I was watching everybody working and I could see, I could see like opportunities for them to be a bit more efficient because I was standing there watching. I was doing my job, trying to make my job more efficient and I made it more efficient because I'm trying to be, I'm being lazy. I'm like, I'm not going to do that twice. I'm going to do it once. So I'm going to make, move things around and get them organized so I could work more effectively um, and I can work more efficiently and then I would see how other people were working and seeing opportunities to A, make more sales. You know, I would watch the waiters out at the tables and I'd be saying, hey, why don't you offer them like a aperitif drink or hey, what about a glass of champagne to get the meal started while you're trying to choose a drink? And so when the waiters would go to the table and say, right, can I get anybody in a drink? I'd say, well, how about going up to the table and say, how about I get you a glass of champagne to get you started while you're choosing a drink to have with dinner? And so we'd bang, we'd get a sale straight away and they'd be able to go, instead of going to the table twice, they go out to the table once, they get an order of champagne, then they go out to the table and get a second order. And someone might say, oh, no, no, I'm just, you know, if someone was dead keen, they're like, no, no, I'm just going to have water. But most people are like, I want that experience. And so, yeah, we've got a lovely bottle of beautiful Andrew Garrett sparkling Shiraz. It's absolutely, it's going to be complement this amazing view that you've got right now. It's going to get you in the mood. We've got some great meals planned for you guys. The, sh- the chefs are cooking up a storm in the kitchen. The menu's just been resi- re- um, revised. So I'm going to get you started with a glass of sparkling Shiraz. I'll get a glass each for everyone here at the table. Then you guys can take a look at the wine list and you guys can get going and start thinking about what you're going to have for your meal. I'll come back out and talk to you about the specials go to the bar, get the sparkling Shiraz, come back. There we go. I've just made $10 per person straight away. Bam, 100 bucks. 10 people at the table, 10 bucks each, $100 off the table. Other waiters are going out to the table and saying, hey, can I get anyone a drink? Oh, we're not ready to order yet. So they go out to the table and come back. So all of a sudden, I'm 100 bucks ahead, you know, on the next waiter, on the next server, on the next table. Then I go back out to the table and I say, right, here's everybody's glass of sparkling Shiraz. We've got some lovely hors d'oeuvres for everybody. I'd like to get that started with you guys. Maybe we get a dozen oysters or maybe let's get two dozen oysters started. So while you're looking at the menu, thinking about what you're going to eat, how about we get you guys started with some oysters? Oh, that sounds fantastic. I'll get you some fresh. I'll get you some Kilpatrick. I'll get you some Mornay. We'll do a spread. We'll do a mix for everybody. I'll, we'll get some garlic bread to the table. And I'll bring out some warm bread rolls. All of those things are charged. So all of a sudden in my second trip to the table, I've got the bill up to $500. And so the other waiter's like, oh, I've got the drink order and only two people ordered drinks. So, you know, the goal of the restaurant is to make money and to create an amazing experience for the people. And so then the second thing, right, okay, we've got some meals going, we've got some lovely specials today. We've got some beautiful spatchcock, spatchcock that's been slow roasted in the oven by the chef. It's going amazing. So in terms of actually 
how I became passionate about business. I'm looking, okay, what's the outcome here? What's the outcome that I'm trying to achieve? Like, uh, yes, you might like marketing, you might like business, you might start to social media, those kinds of things. I'll give you a hack in a second, but it's actually starting to say, well, what do you enjoy? So, so if you want to, if you, if you think there's an area where you've got an interest, you, you can actually cause your, it, you know, people are saying, oh, I don't know how to, I don't know what I'm passionate about yet because at the moment we, you know, in the professional community, you need to be passionate or you need to find the thing you're passionate yeah, about. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to find. Okay, so mm. it's really simple. You get a notepad, you've got one right there and you get a pen and you write down the 10 thing. If you want to make a decision about doing maybe a little bit more social media or if you want to make a decision about doing a little bit more marketing or if you want to make a decision about doing a little bit more PR and there's an opportunity in front of you, get a notepad and a pen and write the numbers one through 10 down the left-hand side of a page. Write the 10 things you love about social media. Or write the 10 things you love about marketing. Or write the 10 things you love about um, PR. Your subconscious then goes, my conscious just told me 10 things I love about this subject. In 24 hours time, all of a sudden your passion for the subject starts to grow. Because your passion exists in your subconscious. And so you're actually manipulating your subconscious to become passionate about the subject because you're like, right now I want to be passionate about something, I just don't know which. So all I'm doing is giving you the technique to accelerate that and, and it doesn't matter what you do, there's opportunity. So as a business person and a male who's very logic focused, I would say let's have a discussion about the thing you, where you can make more money right now, then let's cause our body to become passionate about the thing of those three where you're going to make more money. So right now you would probably make more money out of marketing or PR than social media. Like posting on social media and posting what we're doing here is being uh, commoditized, if that makes sense. So if we were 20 years ago, what does social media look like? That is like big TV ad campaigns. So you would go to university, you'd get trained on how to make big ads, millions of dollars and you would make lots of money. That's been commoditized because there was a financial block. So... What is starting to happen is if I look at my career, advertising and content production, the only way you could put what we're doing right now in terms of podcasts, they didn't exist. So people put stuff out on radio. So you had to, you had to be a radio DJ. You had to get on a radio station. Now we're distributing audio. Right now we're distributing a podcast on a podcast platform. 20 years ago, I would have had to actually try to get an interview and get a job to be a DJ or a broadcaster at a public radio station. So right now there's more radio stations, there's hundreds of millions of podcast outlets. So talent is now easier to access and the people that are really good at it with good audiences are going to grow. So from a social media perspective, I wouldn't say that people are going to be making more money. So in terms of actually choosing, like by all means, choose whatever you want to do and there, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I would try to guide you as like a parental figure into something that's got more upside and that is going to be in marketing, marketing management and even potentially PR. Like PR is about getting popular people to speak about you. So it's getting people that do social, PR is about getting social media influencers to talk about your brand or getting media influencers to talk about your brand. So PR is about getting onto public radio, public television, broader news outlets and getting your content out there and people will pay for that attention. From a marketing perspective, people will pay for attention. So if I was to say, go away and write a list of 10 things you like about marketing and 10 things you like about PR, social media will all be, always be part of it. 
um, and content production will always be part of it. And if you enjoy that creation, then please go ahead and do it. But right now, I see over the next five to 10 years, more upside in PR and marketing. Um, marketing and then having people create things like we are here below us, if that makes sense, like our team. So you're going to build a yeah. team. You're still going to, people are still going to have to do social media, but the management of that process is where you're going to make money. Okay. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good tip, writing down 10 things that you like about what you're doing. And in a way, it kind of, it makes you focus on those things when you're doing that, when you're doing marketing or PR. And your mind just goes yeah. to the positive rather than... The negative. The negative. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. It's, oh. a, it's a parenting technique, obviously. Um, and so, you know, we might get, someone might give us advice and say, oh, you know, try to focus on the positives. How the fuck do you do that? How the fuck you do it is you get a notepad, you write 10 things and you write down positives. That's how you focus on the positives. And that is how, like, that's the mechanical tactic of anything. So let me give you another piece of advice. And this is like relationship advice. If you're trying to get over somebody, you're trying to like, you broke up with someone, you're trying to get them out of your life. Write down the 10 things you don't like about that person. So if you're trying to get over someone or get away from someone or break up with someone, it's the same principle. You tell your subconscious, I don't like this person. I want to get, I'm trying to get over them. It accelerates that. So you write down the 10 things you don't like about that person and that'll get you over them. Or if you, you are know, some sort of like this person, I'm not quite sure. You can write the 10 things you like about that person. You'll tip your subconscious towards it. So it's about gratitude. So gratitude is like writing the things that you ha you're grateful for, writing the things in life that you like, then you will like your life. It's the same principle. It's journaling, if that makes sense. So I've just broken it down into a male. I'm a simple person. I'm fucking lazy. I'm trying to work out ways to be efficient and work smart. So I'm not, you know, having to emit excess energy. I don't want to be running up the hill the whole time. I want to make my life easy. So, so in terms of to be grateful for my life and enjoy my life, I, I just write down the things I like about it. Call it journaling if you like. It's not rocket science. So it's a good way to, and, and more importantly with relationships because of people in toxic relationships, it's really easy to emotionally disconnect if you write down the 10 things you don't, or quit a job or get rid of some, or, or, or get, you know, get over a place you used to live because you want to live back there or whatever. Your, your brain is subconsciously focusing on the things you like, not the things you don't like. And so you can, you can manipulate your brain. With, with great power comes great responsibility. This thing I've just taught you, you guys need to use very wisely. Um, but it is the way to accelerate decision making around falling in love with a passion for work or people or whatever that might be. Mm, yeah, I 100% agree. And um, I personally, I wake up every morning and I write down um, like a gratitude list just to get me in that mindset um, of it's going to be a good day and I'm starting off on the right foot. And that really makes a difference, I find, because you're kind of in a sense tricking your mind and um it's exactly what you're doing yeah you're telling your subconscious you're not tricking your mind you're telling you have to in tell your subconscious way. what to think mm. so you, you 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 um you know train train the body and the mind will follow or train the mind and the body will follow so what you're doing in this instance is, is actually telling your subconscious what to think yeah yeah exactly being conscious yeah. <laughs> on that then yes um What's your, what's your morning routine like? How, how long do you spend in the morning where you just set up for the day? Mm -hmm. About two minutes. Um, 
I've got, I'm I'm a bit random in in terms of this because I just live and breathe it all day. So um, my morning routine will be I don't set an alarm. So um, for me, it's about waking up when I'm ready to wake up. I will be awake by five thirty, irrespective. The question is, can I can I automatically wake up between somewhere between four a.m. and five thirty? If my body needs it, it goes till six o'clock. You know, it'll go six, six thirty, seven o'clock at worst. But if I'm a, if I'm in bed by ten, I'll be awake at four. So the first thing I do basically is get up. On goes the coffee machine. Um, the place that I, the house that I live in has an amazing view. So I make myself a coffee and I'll sit outside and I'll just watch the world. Um, I watch the sunrise. I can see the sunrise from my house every single day of the year, except for about five days at Christmas because it ends up behind a. It goes the sun goes south and it ends up behind a hill. But I can see the sun come over the horizon over the ocean every single morning. Um, it hasn't always been like that. Um, if I, depending on what I've got in my calendar for the day, uh, I try really hard not to check my phone. So I try not to make that the first thing. Uh, I've got to take the dog out for a poo or a wee. So, um, so go outside, walk around, take the dog for a walk, go for a walk. So for me, I'm conscious enough now that I don't need to mechanically manipulate that. Um, but there are car, you know, in the two hours of the morning, there's a few things. Family time is really important. So I'll get up anywhere from four to five o'clock in the morning, do some reading, uh, do any specific, urgent, very, you know, must-do things. I try to do my must-dos before 7 a.m. up there on that list on the wall in the studio uh, and then some family time for breakfast. Um, when I've got a nine-year-old son. I'll typically try and make him breakfast a couple of mornings a week and then I'll come up here to the office or I'll go do the work I need to do or, or, whatever, or, or one morning a week walk to school. Uh, and then it's about at 8 o'clock every morning, have a phone call with Caitlin, my executive assistant, and we talk about my day. My calendar is booked a month in advance. So all that, you know, we're trying to squeeze all your catch-ups in through through that. But my board meetings are in and my regular catch-up with my managers are in. And then we are booking meetings now, like this morning, the call and the calls through the day today. We're booking meetings three and four weeks from now in my diary. Um, so I'm trying to plan ahead. I'm starting to think about the things I need to get done, the biggest things that I can do right now to shift my life forward on my really big goals. Um, so... I, I am right now, as we speak right now, I've got a deficiency in my health and fitness. So I'm eating properly, I'm doing all those sorts of things, but what I'm struggling with right now is to find an appropriate time to go to a workout, whether that's go for a paddle on a kayak or go for a surf or go for a walk um, or go to the gym. That is my gap right now because I think that the only place I can fit it into my day is like at about between about 11.30 and 12.30 to go to the gym for a workout. I can't do it in the morning and I can't do it at night because I focus on family time. So for me, that right now, that's my gap. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with everybody. I'm not a, I'm not a robot. Um, but on Friday mornings for the last five months, we've been going for a 20-kilometer walk. Last Friday, we did 25 kilometers. How are your feet, Luke? Luke's feet are a bit sore. <laughs> so, um, so we have been doing, you know, I've been like right once a week, Fridays, I have I try to have Tuesdays to work on my book and do strategic things, and Fridays to have clear a clear day in my diary, so that a four day week turns into a five day week, not a five day week into a seven day week. So I've got control over my whole thing, and then weekends off. So, so I think a couple of other things in in that morning routine, you've got to have a shower. You've got to go through a personal hygiene routine. You know, for me moisturize you know have a shower have a shave moisturize and for me that moisturize is that reset for me it's like right the day started so um so th there's a jordan belfort talks about um 
in the way of the the way of the wolf um, is a sales book. He talks about olfactory anchoring, which is anchoring with a smell. So one of the things that I think that we can all do to actually make our morning routine the most successful is pick a perfume or a cologne or a breakfast or toast or coffee that sort of stuff and actually anchor a positive emotion to that smell and make sure there's a specific smell in your morning routine that will get you started right now in sydney it's springtime maybe it's jasmine maybe it's petostra maybe it's one of the the fragrant flowers maybe you get hay fever and it's bad um, but a smell a, attaching a smell to a positive memory um, so having a really positive experience and actually smelling that smell, you can anchor it and then making sure that's part of So for me, it's the smell of my moisturizer. It's nothing flash. It's just Nivea men, whatever, but it's got a bit of sun cream in it as well. So it's 15 plus. Uh, so for me, that smell goes right. The day's started. Yeah, that's interesting. For me, it's my coffee. Definitely. There you go. Yep. There you go. Right, so I'm in my zone. So in terms of actually the shower, it could be your it could be your in the in the shower, it could be your bath soap, it could be your shower gel, it could be your shampoo, whatever it is, because you're like you feel good and you feel amazing, or it could be your perfume or whatever that might be. What gets missed for a lot of people is they'll get up, they'll do the journaling, they'll do the workout, they'll do that sort of stuff, but they miss the other sense, which is smell. And that's for the most successful people, if you drill down, it's not talked about very much. There will be smell in there somewhere. It will be in there. It doesn't get talked about. It's missed. But that is the secret source to success is actually managing your tone, uh, managing your, um, your state. Jordan Belfort talks about it in his book. He talks about state management for success and actually setting you up for that, um, that hyper activity. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've never heard of that before. No, it's a secret. Yeah. That's right. There you go. <laughs> well, thanks yep. for telling me the secret. Right. Yep. Um, just on a different note, when I'm applying for graduate roles mm -hmm. for the start of next year, I'm just wondering, do you have any insight on where the best place to find that job is? Yes, absolutely. It's at the company you want to work at. So the best place to find the role is like a lot of people think, oh, I've got to go to Seek or I've got to go to LinkedIn or I've got to go to Pedestrian TV or I've got to go to Facebook. How'd you find out about your internship? Whereabouts? Um, I find it founded on Seek. Seek. Yeah. Okay. So, so what you want to be doing is you want to be starting to, and this is a sales technique, whether you're selling a product or service or selling yourself, you want to start to identify, you know, what your criteria is. You know, I don't know if you guys are shopping for like life partners yet, but you might have your criteria of, you know, who, who, uh, who that person needs to be, but, um, it's the same for a job. And, and so I wish, you know, the things that I wish, I wish someone had said, you know, these are brands to target. You know, I, I thought they were out of reach. I thought they were unreachable. But now with things like LinkedIn, with YouTube, with Facebook, with social media, with websites, and what you can, guys can do. For, remember, when I started in business, the internet didn't exist. It, we had dial-up and people didn't have websites because people hadn't had the facility to create them yet. So, you know, over my career with running businesses, people have been, oh, we better get a website. Yeah, and so many opportunities. Absolutely, absolutely. So... So you guys now, it's like, it's every, it's all there at your fingertips. So, so I would be suggesting the place to go to look is to start to think about brands that you like or organizations that you like, then go and look at their social media and see if you can get a gauge, external gauge on their culture and work out a culture you want to go to work in. And that's going to narrow your list. So maybe starting at 20 types of organizations and doing work that you'd like to do, then, then narrowing it down to where there might be a cultural fit. And then watching those organisations now, 
and watching them for the different roles. You can go on LinkedIn and you can see all the people that work there that are professionals. You can see the positions that they've got and then the average Australian organisation turns over 30% of their people every year. So that means that every single position on average is going to be available and open every three years. What we look for as employers, we're looking for energy, we're looking for culture, we're looking for enthusiasm, we're looking for motivation. For you guys as graduate jobs, they're not looking for experience. They're not looking for, um, they're not looking for like all the things, they're not for looking for qualifications, they are looking for the want. They're looking for the hustle, they're looking for the excitement, they're looking for the, I wanna get in here and I wanna make a difference, I wanna do what I can do right now as a raw talent. I've been practicing some raw talent stuff, I've been at best practice doing an internship and hustling on social media. You, you know, we've been, you know, you've done your internships at one of the companies, we gotta be in the top two or three or four or five companies in Australia posting the most on social media. No one posts as much as we do. Like, and, and if you can find them, let me know, because then we'll beat them. It's 800 social media posts a week the analytics, the relationships, the bridges that you're building, the networks that you're building here at Best Practice, that's what they want. He's talking to someone, like someone's already like seen that he's valuable because of what he's been doing here at Best Practice. And so, but he's also like, I could go over there, but I'm not gonna learn as much as I'm learning at Best Practice. So I'm sort of gonna like bridge it a little bit, you know, because it's like all of a sudden you go over there, they don't do as much, you're not, you're not learning the shit that you can't Google. So a long answer to a short question, going on identifying brands you'd like to work for, doing your due diligence on social media to see if you engage their culture, then watching those organisations because they will turn over their staff on a, you know, every, every, almost every position in that organisation will change every three years. People average tenure is about three years. So then it's just a matter of time because you've identified the company you want to work for, go do the internship there, show them your value, show them you're motivated, do your own due diligence. Actually, it's not as good as I thought. Okay, I'm going to go somewhere else. Because when you wait for the bait to go in the water, the fish swarm over it. It's like a hot chip at the beach with the seagulls. Go get the chip yourself. Don't see the chip get chucked out because you're going to fight with all the seagulls. So if a job comes up on seek, you're going to get 50 applicants. You make it work for yourself. Like you can actually short circuit that process. You can A, get a job at a company you want to work out. You just got to be patient and wait for it. You can definitely go in there and do voluntary work experience and get particularly now as a graduate, you're, the thing you guys are doing now with internships is absolutely fantastic. You can afford to do it. You're not at the point in life right now where I've got lots of things that cost lots of money to maintain and I can't afford to go do shit for free. Um, I probably could if I could figure it out. Um, but you see my point? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so my next question is, um, what are the biggest mistakes you see people make during an interview process? Biggest mistake is a lack of preparation. By far the biggest mistake. People come into interviews here at Best Practice and we say, what do you know about Best Practice? And they're like, oh, I had a bit of a look at your website. How much time do you spend on the website? Oh, five minutes. Wrong, big mistake. If you're going to work at an organization, read every single page of the website. You've got plenty of time to prepare. Like there's no rush. And if, if you can't, bring yourself to spending two or three hours reading every single word on their website, then you don't want to work at that company. Go and look at their Instagram, look at their LinkedIn, look at their Facebook, look at their YouTube, Google them, look at Google News, look at every place that they've been tagged, do your research. And the number of times, even like, it's crazy, right? But we interview people, that's why we started the intern program because we were interviewing people for marketing 
and they're coming into market best practice. I'm like, well, what have you seen? I'm like, well, nothing. Do you look at our website? No. All right, get out. That's the first mistake. The second mistake is, that, you know, that, or the second thing that you can do, the tip you can do is figure out who's going to be interviewing you and figure out what they like. Like it's about, these are people, you, what you're basically saying is I'm going to go to a job, I'm going to spend 33% of my day working with these people. Are they going to become my friends or not? So, so you're literally like, these people are going to become my friends. Like I'm going to build friendships with these people. I'm going to be in a room with them. I'm going to be working with them every day. Work out if you like them or not. Stalk them on social media. Have a look at their Instagram. Have a look at their Facebook. People are not doing that. They're like, oh, I show up for the interview. I'm a bit nervous. Why are you nervous? I don't know who I'm going to be speaking to. Fucking get to know them. Like, okay, I get some people don't have all of the different social media platforms, but find out that they don't have it. Keep searching until you find them. Everybody has got a digital footprint. Like, it's rare that there will be a person who's doing interviewing or being involved that doesn't have a digital footprint. Find out what they like. And then you don't need to know that like stalk the fuck out of them is what I'm basically saying. You don't need to let on that you've done that, but you're prepared. You know who you're talking to. You get to know them. You get what they're interested in. Make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my last question. Um, so I'm obviously about to graduate uni and um, I'm tossing up where I want to work, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just wondering... Um, for someone going into an entry-level graduate position, would you say that you learn more and gain more opportunities out of working at an SME or a big business? It's a tough one. I, 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 get, um, I get lots of people um, ask this question. What's going to happen? You know, I, there's, there's an analogy. It says the closer you fly to the sun, the easier it is to get burnt. So in an SME you are going to probably have to figure shit out yourself. There's an expectation that if you go to a bigger company, you're going to be able to be mentored by somebody and you're going to get trained and, you know, there's going to be other people to copy, you know, like masters and apprentices. Um, I think it's a misconception. I, I haven't seen, you know, the number of big companies that, that, that look after and train and develop their trainees is not as many as you think. So I think either way, you're going to be going into a role and particularly going to be like trying to figure shit out yourself. And in fact, that's what we're all hiring people to do. It's like, that's why I really, like I know people on social media are shitting on university and college. I think it's valuable because it teaches you how to learn and it teaches you critical thinking skills, teaches you how to be critical of what you're reading. So somebody who's been to university working for me versus somebody who hasn't is more likely to be able to criticise anything they read on the internet and be a bit sceptical versus somebody who just goes, oh, yeah, fuck, I believe that. So, so I think you are either way, as a graduate going into a graduate role, I think a mid-cap organisation, so maybe not be too big because you become a number, not too little, that you're going to work in a business that's chaos and just really reactive. Um, so, for example, there, you know, there, are, there are other businesses in close proximity to us that are very reactive businesses and you're going to get pulled around. Now, if you can embrace that as an experience and you can say, I'm going to learn heaps because I'm going to get pulled around the organisation into lots of different roles, if you can embrace that and not get frustrated, you're going to learn a lot. So you will learn a lot in SME. Yeah. And if you can walk in there and you can do high value, you know, what I talked about yesterday in productivity, which is going to the person who's employing you and saying, what's the most valuable thing I can be doing for you right now? And be ready to fail fast. So if you're going to go into SME, which I think is good, uh, small to medium enterprises, I've got to stop saying SME because I don't like it. But 
a small organization, you know, and when I say small, it might be three, four, five, ten people because it is marketing and PR. So for somebody to actually get the value, they're going to be five to ten people. Um, and then because they get the value in marketing and social media and knowing that they need to do that, they're probably going to be a little bit more aware, not a laggard. They're going to be an early, not an early adopter because the early adopters are doing it already. Um, but having a look and seeing. So going, I would suggest if you're going into an organisation that's looking to hire somebody, if try not to go as a graduate, try not to go into an organisation where they're starting from scratch. Try to go into an organisation where they've done a bit of social media. You can see some evidence on their Instagram that they've done some work. You can see some evidence on Facebook that they've done some work. And, you can, and so what you're doing is going in to pick up and keep going. You can yeah. see that they value what you're going to do. As a graduate, in going into a smaller organisation, try not to go into an organisation who's got no Instagram or Facebook or, or website because they didn't value it, which is why they haven't done it, and they're sort of being dragged into it, if that makes sense. Does that help? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I've got one more thing about today. interviews quickly. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. We're talking about interviews. Um, when you go into an interview, the other mistake, mistake that I see people make is they show up and throw up. And so they walk into the interview and they're like, talk, talk, talk about themselves. They don't take some time to actually ask some questions about the problem the business is trying to solve. Because what we're doing as business owners, we're throwing money in the form of a salary at a person to solve a problem. And so getting really clear on the problem you're solving as a person. So what do you, in exchange, so, so I can understand this role correctly and give you the right answers in my interview, what are the outcomes that you want from this role in return from the wage or salary? And I swear the person across the table will go, what the fuck just walked in this room? Because they're like, no one's ever asked me that question before because they're like, they just want a job. So people come into interviews like, I just want a job. It's like, no, I'm going to pay you. That's a given. What are you going to do for me? So it's yeah. about projecting what you're going to, what are the outcomes you're going to deliver? Mm. So, sorry, I cut you off. Um, no, I think that's, you've answered all my questions for today. Okay, awesome. Perfect. These have been great questions, guys. It's given us some good content to produce for everybody. So if you have been enjoying the Kobe Simmet audio experience and the vlog and the podcast, everything going on here at Best Practice, please hit that like button. If somebody that you know is graduating from college, they're going into a graduating job or they're graduating from university or they're thinking about going to university and they need to hear this particular podcast, please share it. You've got family, friends, you've got people around you. Share the Kobe Simmet audio experience with them. If they're interested in doing an internship in marketing or in sales or any of the areas that we're running here at Best Practice, please reach out to me. If there's somebody that's in Sydney, Australia, they can come and work in our office in our intern program. Uh, they can reach out to Vanessa at bestpractice.biz. Uh, this has been CEO versus Intern here again on the Kobe Simmet Audio Experience. Thank you, Ashley. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. And all right, let's go. Yeah.